Yeah, it's definitely, as you say, a sliding doors moment that still to this day, all these years later, makes me want to puke. Welcome back, listeners. Great to have you with us, as ever, here on YE1 Daily for the Season Review podcast, which now marks a regression of 15 years back down White Hart memory lane. Yes, this is the 2005-06 season with me, Ian Wallace, BBC cameraman Chris Smith. Chris, welcome. Hello. And the right boys, father and son, Peter and Simeon. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hi, lads. Well, we've all just about had it with sickness as much as the world remains locked down in the opposition to the coronavirus pandemic. But unfortunately, the conclusion of this particular season would have short-lived yet extremely damaging infection theme to it. This was, of course, the campaign where our best league performance for 16 years was marred by an aggressive bout of food poisoning, which rippled through the playing squad and made defeat to West Ham on the final day inevitable. The bottom line... We missed out on Champions League football, finishing fifth and two points off bitter rivals, Arsenal. That turn of fate still hurts many Spurs fans to this day. We'll go into that scandal in depth later, but just briefly, guys, does it still make you angry? Yes or no? Chris? Oh, yes. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I'm livid about it. Doing the research, but I've still cannot contain my anger for it. Anyway, let's move on. We'll come on to that later. So, added to Martin Yole's young squad was the priceless carrier of experience as his Dutch compatriot, Edgar Davis, joined on a free transfer from Inter Milan. I'll ask the boys just how positive an impact such a high-profile signing had for the team. But first, let's hear an anecdote from star of UK boy band Blue and absolute Spurs nut Anthony Costa regarding David's one and only goal for us. I remember the game where I missed. I think it was us against Wigan and Edgar Davis scored. And um, Dude, away, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was away, and I was I remember like, that, I yeah. to score. Oh, yeah. And they were like, Look, what do you want to know? Do you want to have a message from your family or the Spurs result? And I remember choosing the Spurs result because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> 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 didn't show it on TV, but I was like, Look, I'm gonna see my family in like next week anyway. But I just want to know the Spurs score. Anthony Costa talking about his time when I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. So, Edgar Davis was a great sign. Peter, how did you feel when we sort of signed Edgar Davis? Did you just feel it was a bit of a game changer? I know he's near the end of his career, but how did you feel, Peter? Yeah, I mean, even though at the end of his career, it's like, it's one of those, I can't believe we've got him type of moments, like, similar to what, what I felt about when Klinsmann came, because of what he'd done in world football and put that bite into the midfield, you know, the way that he would snap into a tackle. I thought it was a much needed, like, I think Chris alluded to the type of player we've always had, like, Graham Roberts and people like that, he kind of brought that little bit of bite into us, you know. Yeah, he, he plays a lot of games that season as well in his first season. Yeah. He played most of the games. Chris, how did you feel when we signed him? Well, when we signed him, even though, again, you know, what you were saying earlier, he was coming to the end of his career. That experience, he's a born winner. Again, we needed that sort of energy in the middle, tough tackling, wouldn't stand any nonsense. He had those goggles on, didn't he? Look, scared the life out of the opposition. Uh, you know, and he was fit to fiddle even at that age. So, brilliant signing him. What could go wrong? The younger players can look up to him and he'll yeah. be a bit of an inspiration type player. Sim, as a youngster, you know, signing someone like Edgar Davis at the time, you must be a thrill, like an icon of world football. How did you feel, Sim? I've got to be honest, this is officially where my memory expires. I actually found a home film in this kind of period of self-isolation. You've got a lot of free time, so I was looking for some home videos and there was one of them where I was sorting through a shootout card album 
and that was dated February 2006. So I can't actually remember the summer of 2005 when you're talking about Edgar Davis. But if you think about how I felt midway through that season when I first kind of started taking an interest and got really, really gripped by the whole race for the top four and just introduced me to the North London rivalry and Arsenal and stuff like that. And you just see someone like Edgar Davis and Chris talked about the goggles and the dreadlocks and you just see someone like that on the pitch wearing your team shirt. And that's just going to, as a young kid, that's going to really capture your imagination. This guy was like just different and we had this guy who was so experienced and the younger players obviously looked up to him and that's probably what pushed us on in that season to come so close it was a pit bull yeah i agree it was a pit bull wasn't he he's a lovely footballer as well we had a very good seasons before that but first full season under martin yo also arsenal were on the wane a little bit in that transfer window the summer one they'd lost Vieira to Juve for 14 million so chris did you sort of feel in hindsight that's easy to say that they were on the wane, that we should have possibly thrown money at it again. We bought yeah, a lot of players, I mean, but we didn't buy big. No, we did buy a lot of players, a lot of young players as well. You know, Huddleston, Lennon, we got... Routledge. Yeah. Did we get genius that year? I can't remember. Yes, yeah. Dead In like that day. window for a million, we did. Yeah, we did. You know, so I thought this is it. In my years of probably being a season ticket holder, I'm thinking we are... Definitely on the right track with these players. Still, Terry, players like that, Verda Bremen, you thought, oh, you know, he must be good. I like Martin Yo as well, with his sort of attacking, gung-ho way about him. And I, I honestly thought, with our forwards as well, even though we lost Canute, I just thought we, we were going to have a good season. I know we're always confident, us Spurs fans, but I was that season, yeah. I remember, very excited about what was to come. Yeah, I just want to give you some context. Like we spent about fifteen million in transfers in that summer, and we got twelve point five million back. So the net spending was nothing. But I'm just going to give you some context of what Chelsea spent. They bought Del Horno for eight million. They bought Wright Phillips from Man City for twenty one million, and they bought Essien for twenty four point four million. Newcastle bought Owen for seventeen million. For me, that's a real context, Peter. Like those yeah. clubs are spending loads, and we're spending like fifteen million. But I think with someone like Lennon, yeah. who, who was one million from Leeds, I think looking back at the dealings around that time, we dealt a lot on circumstance. So you had the Leeds fire sale. You had people like Lennon and Robinson who were coming in really cheap, but they had Premier League experience and they were quite young and they were quite good players. And then you had people like Dawson playing in the championship. You had Keane, we also got from Leeds when they were selling off their players. Carrick, when West Ham got relegated. Defoe, when West Ham got relegated. So I think our... Uh, our, our signings around that time were really, really shrewd. The British core that the Yol brought together. Mm-hmm. I think the transfer strategy at that time was, was very good, in, in my opinion. Was it shrewd or just having an eye on the pennies and the balance sheet? British players, you know, I think they were looking at that as well, trying to get some young British players. Just looking at it now, there's, there's a lot there. We got rid of a few, Michael Brown and Sean Davis. Mendes went. Yeah, Mendes. I used to like Mendes. He was good. We alluded in the last podcast to Freddie Canute. He went in that summer transfer window for five million, Peter. Yes. I mean, I just think, well, why are we selling someone like Canute? That's going back it's to... It's Graziak. It's going back to a guy, a guy leaving, arguably, at the peak of his career to better himself, which is what you don't want to see. For me, you know, like, if you're going to win something, you mentioned a team with Carrick and Berbatov in. That's building. Selling Canute, mm-hmm. that's dismantling. You know, we've always mm. been like that. I know sometimes you have to sell, and Man United have had to sell, you know, stars in the past, but always because the, after they'd won medals. And uh, these guys are, you know, I repeat myself, these guys were all left without winning a medal. He then went out and won the UEFA Cup the next season. So you can't 
uh, you know, you can't blame the players. You got to blame the club for not putting the putting the money in. Our big signing for that summer was Jermaine Jennings for seven million. I think Ronald Gray is a great guy and a great signing for us. But I just want to put that seven million in context. Arsenal bought Park Ji Sung for. Four million. They bought Vidic for seven million. They bought Evra for five point five million. You mean Man United? Sorry, Man United. Yeah, bought bought those guys. We didn't have the pulling power at that time, but I just think we could have gone bigger. I think, and that was the time. You know, it's been the story year after year after year, hasn't it, Chris? Yeah, absolutely. Go back to you know lots of times. We think right now is the time. Now is the time to invest. Take that gamble, you know, just think of the money you earn in the Champions League like Spurs did when they got to the final. Ridiculous amount of money, which will pay for, you know, two world-class players in itself. And you would get more fans, bloody, bloody, blah. So as a business model, they must be thinking, let's take a gamble, you know. We're getting more money in from the game receipts. We didn't do anything in the winter window in that season. And there's just one player I think would have just fitted perfectly in at that time, and that was Craig Bellamy. I don't know if you guys remember, he was absolutely on fire yes. for Blackburn in that year. Yes. He was fantastic yes, for them dude. that year. And I just think, we had Tanya on the on the left, didn't we, who was, I suppose, about it a little bit in the other podcast. He just was workman-like and did a good job. But, you know, Craig Bellamy had that incredible work ethic. I thought, if you could have just employed him maybe like on the left, it could have just pushed us on. Blackburn weren't really close to the top four, and they were actually in the, in the conversation that year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point, Sim, because he actually said in in his book, actually, um, that he really wanted to go to Spurs. That's a mm. club he regretted not to go to as well. It's a recurring theme of us not backing the manager. I mean, it happened with Harry as well. Just going back to the, the start of the pre-season, so we had a quite a strong pre-season again. We beat Cambridge, Leon, Reading... Porto and we drew with Boca Juniors and Associate Dad. So we, yeah, we, we went into the season with a bit of momentum and we started the season well. Chris, do you remember anything about those early games and how we played? Well, I just thought we was attacking, you know, and, and, and we didn't let any goals in hardly until we met Chelsea. So we kept three clean sheets on the trot in that start. We, we only played Portsmouth, Middlesbrough and Blackburn. But defence-wise, drew nil-nil against Liverpool. So the one, two, yeah. three, four, five, six. First six games, seven games, we let in three goals. The defence at that time was Stoutieri, Dawson and King, and Lee Young poo was the left-back. Peter, how did you sort of remember that defence being that season? Yeah, really solid centrally, but the full-backs letting you down. We kind of let a lot of balls come down the side of us. King and Dawson together was pretty solid. King was like the Rolls-Royce and Dawson was like the meat and potatoes guy. And they were still pretty solid, but I think the full-backs were up and down, really. In that season, the midfield was Lennon, who had a really good season that season. He was unplayable sometimes. We had Jenis, Carrick and Davids in a centre midfield, alternating sometimes. And then Tanio played a lot on the left, as Sim said. Why did we not have a left-sided player? I remember at the time, Damien Duff was a good player. And remember him being linked mm. with us. I mean, Chris, you sort of remember, I remember going to watch the games that season. We just looked lopsided with, with young Pooh at the back and Tanio. And right footed with playing on the left, Chris. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Very unstable sort of team. I can't remember. Just going back to defence. I mean, obviously, Ledley, had, we all know about his injuries. But that season, I can't remember if, if he got injured. Because that start, that start of the season was brilliant. And we had Wayne Routledge, didn't we, at that point? You know, I saw him in pre-season when we first got uh, Wayne Routledge and I just thought, this guy is going to be a world-beater. He He went out on loan, Chris. And then he just didn't go to his full potential. I can't remember what pre-season game I watched, but he was just amazing. 
you look at that team and it was strong, but the big teams at the time, I mean, they were really strong. Chelsea were really strong. United were really strong. I don't remember Liverpool, but Arsenal was not that strong that year, I don't think. Does anyone, Peter, do you remember them not being particularly strong? They had Pires and was Henri still there? Henri was still there, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, I think pretty, I mean, they they got to the Champions League final that year and it, it was just their mad goalkeeper that mm. stopped them winning the Champions League final. They had Saul Campbell, bless him. <laughs> that yeah. team's pretty yeah. strong. You mentioned that left-sided problem we had, uh, just going back to that. Why didn't we get someone like Damien Duff? Well, how much did you say he was? 17 million? There's your answer. We're not yeah, going to pay 17 on. million. And the wages for Damien Duff. We stuck Marl out there the following season. We had some really good runs in the league that season where we went unbeaten for like large chunks of time. That was really, really fluid. But then we seemed to like trip up against the big boys again. Yeah, there was a particularly good run, wasn't there, from the end of November. Started with that Davis goal at Wigan, didn't it? When Anthony decided yeah. that he wanted to know the result instead of <laughs> instead of get a letter from his family. I can't even remember if it was this podcast or the one before that Chris said we just don't seem to beat the big sides and especially away from home. This this was a this was a period where Tottenham go away to the big boys and there's just like probably a one percent chance that we'll get a result there. But the top four seemed to be bombed yeah. off as well. From everyone, yeah. Everton got in there for a season, but it was just yeah. it was boxed off. Yeah. Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Arsenal. We didn't beat any of the top sides again that season, home or away. Not one. Yeah. yeah. Tottenham Arsenal the home game in October I remember we went one nil up and we played really really we seemed to have the Indian sign over Arsenal we played really well against them but then Robinson dropped the cross an error from Robinson yeah I love Robbo but was he that great a keeper for us because he he had a ricket in him didn't he Peter yeah I think he had a reasonably solid season I mean you mentioned the earlier games in that season we were conceded very few goals I think it's like subsequent seasons where the wheels seem to come off for, for Robert. I, I really like Paul Robinson. During his time at Spurs, you know, that's when he became the England goalkeeper. You know, so you, you don't yeah. become England's number one without having something about you. Every goalkeeper's career, you have to remember, always ends with a Rick. How many bloody goals did Perez score against us? That was his ninth in 13. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Just at Christmas time as well, we lost to West Brom on 28th of December, then we lost to Liverpool in the middle of January, and then that's to Fulham. Well, that's three defeats in about six games, and a draw as well at home to Villa. That, that was pretty much scuppered scuppered at our Champions League thing in hindsight. But then we went on a nice little run, Chris. Do you remember the Charlton game at home? I remember that game. Chris, do you remember that Charlton game at home? I think the foe played really well, got a couple of goals. Yeah, 3-1. Yeah, we always beat Charlton. He's was, he was one of our teams we used to actually win against. But yeah, again, we weren't letting that many goals in at that, that period as well. Our defence was pretty good. Do you think, Chris, that the fact that we went out of the cup competitions early, we literally only played 40 games that season. Do you think that was a big... We had a really settled team that season. Do you think that was a big plus for us, Chris? For the league, yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely right. But um, I'm first to be in them, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So inconsistent, you know, losing 3-1 to Newcastle. Then we beat Man City, not the Man City of today. But then we beat Everton away. And then we lose yeah. one, two, one to United. You know, it was it was win one week, draw the next, yeah. 
lose, win. There was no real yeah. consistency. consistency yeah. Yeah, so I agree. Can I just come back to the United game? So I remember going to that United game at home. We lost 2-1. But I really felt we played well with that game. And I really just felt Rooney was the difference in that game. And yeah. just how great a player Rooney was on his day, wasn't he, Peter? Yeah. Young Paul Lee was found wanting in that game, I think. You um, are a lot, correct. A lot, a lot of yes, stuff he was. He, he got mugged side. off by his compatriot. Yeah, those sort of key games where we needed to sort of like step up. Just just, just a note on that, uh, Ledley King did a, we might have been a metatarsal in the Everton game before. I remember over that Easter period and he missed the World Cup because of it, but we only won three after that. So it just goes to show, we talked about how good the defence was early early doors in the season. Mm. And you kind of bring in someone like Anthony Gardner, who's just several levels below really. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah spot on. Anthony Gardner's legs are nearly as tall as I am. Um, but I remember I remember after that game, we had Arsenal away, Chris, and we played really, really well there and got a 1-1 draw. But in hindsight, we should have won that, don't you think? Yeah, Edgar Davies got sent off in that game. Yeah, yeah he did. Uh, but yeah, they scored 84. But they always, at that point, they always... We used to up our game, especially at home against Arsenal, and then we'd take the lead, which we never did most of the time against anyone but they always manage to pull one back you know Henri 84 minute you know again it's like we did sort of play really well against Arsenal during those few seasons just didn't have the uh, rubber to green in my book then we beat Bolton uh, 1-0 so we were massively in the hunt to get our first fourth place finish which which would have been incredible and then here we come on to the final game West Ham Spurs 7th of May 2006, Peter, the infamous lasagna gate. How do you feel going into it? And just, just your thoughts around the game. Well, the story broke in the morning about the, there's this kind of food poisoning bug going around the squad, you know, and the, my ears were glued to the radio, just listening to the sports reports. I think Martin Yol wanted the game to be either delayed or called off or whatever, and I think... Alan Pardew, the then West Ham manager, agreed to um, postpone the game as long as it was after their cup final with Liverpool, which was going to be taking place the following weekend, I think. But here's my conspiracy theory. David Dean was on the board of the Premier League or something at the time and insisted that the game go ahead, which I think is a conflict of interest. Mm I think it was a crowd control. Well, that, that was their excuse. But a crowd control, so they couldn't kick off any later than five. The police sort of got involved, but you just think, well, we're up against it again. What about the 40,000 red shirts that were handed out at Highbury for the last game at Highbury, you know, as a big celebration? Everything was just going against us, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you, you got the last game at Highbury, you got yeah. West Ham in the cup final, and then, you know, you said that Pardew was happy for the game to happen after the cup final, but then you got the World Cup that was coming up. So I think everything was just working against us there. It was terrible, terrible. Like, I don't yeah. think the game should ever have been just, played. I think you're right. Just for listeners, plus the younger listeners, all we had to do on that last game of the season was match Arsenal's result. They had Wigan at home. But I remember reading something about Jermaine Jenner said that the funny thing about that game was the night before, they normally would, for games like that, a local derby, like a local game, they would stay at home. So why the change, really? So he sort of said suddenly the players started feeling ill at 1am in the morning. He said Carrick was the worst hit and he was like a key player for us, wasn't he? He actually went off after 60 minutes, Chris. Yeah. A key player, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. In times, yeah, especially against his old club as well. Oh, I just, uh, thinking about it now makes me feel sick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
it, it was, you know, and, yeah. and especially during the game, Arsenal were two one down, and then you're thinking, right, this is it, you know, we're we're going to do it, and you know, I'll let you carry on. Yeah, I wasn't at the game, but a friend of mine obviously he was watching the game at Upton Park, and he said that Carrick could, couldn't even stand up, let alone play football. It was like a really warm afternoon, and I think I, yeah. Defoe went down to take a corner, and he got pelted with toilet rolls. <laughs> by the West Ham fans. It was just horrible, horrible day. Yeah, it was really bitter against them as well. And, you know, I delight in anything which happens to them. Imagine what would have happened, Peter, if we'd have qualified for the Champions League then. And who knows what would have happened to us and Arsenal because, you know, they'd, they'd lost Vieira and, you know, they, they were on the wane a little bit after the Champions League. I don't know. What, what, what do you guys think? You know, our trajectory could have been massively yeah, big. They'd, they'd have gone into a, their new stadium with Europa League football. Peter, what's your sort of thoughts? Exactly. It's just that I was saying about the David Dean conspiracy. I thought they could not go into the Emirates not being in the Champions League. It was a bit like us needing to be in the Champions League and all the, at the time, the revenues involved in that. History might have rewritten itself if that hadn't happened with the change of hotels <coughs> and Lasagna Gate. It's like a real sliding doors moment, really, what might have happened. I totally agree with what was said there. The difference that, you know, as you just said, about Arsenal going to a new stadium, not in the Champions League, us with a, a young, youngish team, in the Champions League, we'd have attracted a better standard of player for the next season, I'm sure. Yeah, it's definitely, as you say, a sliding doors moment that still, to this day, all these years later, makes me want to puke. Yeah, pivotal moments, because what might have happened with Martin Yell's career, you know, it might have taken a different direction. We might have still a chance of keeping Carrick. I mean, it's yeah. not... Yeah. We probably, there's a good chance we might have sold him anyway, but there's a better chance we could have kept him. Yeah, and attracted, as you say, better players being in the top four, yeah. You know, we've had Lasagna Gate, we've had Chelsea finish, with us finishing the top four, Chelsea winning the Champions League, that's not getting in it. We've had the Newcastle last day debacle when we got beat 5-1 and ended up finishing below Arsenal. Countless semi-final defeats. Is there something wrong with the type of manager that we sort of get in? Because these things, you know, we choke. You think Jose's different, Sim? <laughs> You'd like to think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I mean, there's, there's clearly something wrong, whether it's capitulating in March in a season or losing a semi-final in April. Or just choking on the last day to to not finish fourth or whatever. This I, I think you, you listed some of the things right, and it's just like a case of just countless amounts of end of the season sadness, really. I personally think Jose is different. I'm not his biggest fan, but I just think he could be really different for us mentality-wise once he's had this transfer window. Chris, I mean, this coronavirus is absolutely shocking, but it's helped Spurs in a way where we're getting our players back and stuff. And I think he's seen how the Spurs this season has gone so far under Jose and it's been up and down to say the least and I think Jose has got I'm hoping he's got a point to prove and I think during this time now he is one of those managers that's going to analyse everything look at all the players this is not working that's not working this is what I'm hoping as well and I think during this crazy lockdown period A will get our some of our players back, i.e. Kane and Son, etc. And B, Jose is using his time to say, right, this is not working. Going over footage, that, we need to change that. He's out, yeah. blah, 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 blah. I agree. Well, that's what he should be doing. If I was manager of Spurs, yeah. that's what I'd be doing. It's come at a good time for Spurs. It's yeah. horrendous, don't get me wrong, but it's got a good time for Spurs to sit back, look over the season and think, right, we need to change this and that. 
just to sort of sum up, we won't bother to go into the FA Cups or League Cups because we got knocked out by Grimsby in the first round, 1-0, and then we got knocked out by Leicester in the FA Cup, 3-2, despite being 2-0 up, very Spursy. But if we can sort of just sum up the 40-game season, we did finish fifth. We'd been finishing 10th, 9th, 14th the previous years. Peter, how would you sort of sum up the season, really, in hindsight? What if, you know? <laughs> it's just like a what, one, like a what if moment, really. Just did that West Ham yeah. game at the end. I have to mention a, a game at home to West Ham, was it? Where they scored at the last minute corner? Oh, oh, that was just games like that. You know, where we win those two points. Anton Ferdinand. Anton, Anton Ferdinand. You must, have, you must have a yeah. chat with him about that. Yeah, yeah. Don't listen you. to games <laughs> on the radio. I tell you, that was the most... Yeah. I, you know, we gave away a corner in the dying seconds. And, you know, just listening to the commentary was excruciating. <laughs> I, I, I was able to confront Anton Ferdinand at Sims uh, Trophy Day. Because uh, uh, he came down to issue, give out the trophies. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah I, I confronted him about that goal and how unhappy I was about that goal. And he said, well, I wasn't. So. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he wasn't. I love that. What if? That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I love the fact you confronted Anton Ferdinand because he's a mountain of a man, isn't he, as well? <laughs> Considering what we've been through the seasons previously, I mean, I know the ending gave us a very bad taste in our mouth, but... That was our best season for ages. I mean, forget the Cups. We're talking Premier League. Again, we didn't beat any of the top four sides. But we could see we were getting better. It was the best we'd seen for a long time. My memories were, oh, do you know what? We're going in the right direction and roll on next season. But again, we still needed that player in the middle of the park to get all those players by the scruff of the neck and stop these last-minute winners from West Ham, etc. Losing semi-finals, losing these last-minute matches. So, you know, if I was a manager or chairman, that's what I'd be looking to buy going into the next season. Yeah. Well, obvious one would be heartbreak, wouldn't it? I mean, there's a reason why at the new White Hart Lane, I don't know if you guys have, have been to any of the food chains. There's that one called the Smashed Olive, aren't there? The Italian. And I think there's a reason why they don't serve lasagna there. They just stick to pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the, obvious one, the obvious one there would be heartbreak. But I think I should probably go with a positive one because this is my first... I could probably trace my love of football back to maybe January, February 2006. So this is my first season. So if I'm going to put a positive spin on it, I'd probably say seminal. Because it just it really just kickstarted my football love. You know, like that that kit is yeah. still my favourite Tottenham kit, the one with the black sleeves and yeah, the, the cap, the, white. the kappa kit. Yeah, and the yeah. Tom and the Thompson, the Thompson with the black sleeves and the kappa. Yeah, it was a magical season in that respect, and yeah. just wish it could have ended better. For me, in in hindsight, it was a good season in our development, but it really it's still rank, I'm still angry now. Actually, <laughs> just just doing the research has made me really really angry. But I think we should be pragmatic about it. And uh, I think a lot of the problems we're having now are still the problems, you know, which we were having back then and not investing. Yeah. So that's interesting to sort of see that 15 years ago. Anyway, guys, that wraps up another daily podcast. Chris, it's been brilliant having you on these. So uh, thanks for your input into it. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed Cheers, it. It's Chris. like uh, venting my years of Spurs frustration now. It's like therapy. <laughs> We'd love to have you back again. And Sim and Peter, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. And listeners, thanks for listening. And please spread the word as ever. Keep safe, listeners, and keep well. Speak to you all soon. Bye, guys. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thanks.